Um, tonight we're going to be looking at Jesus is the Good Shepherd, uh, reading in John chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up there, uh, we're going to read John 10. We're also going to read Psalm 23 tonight. Um, and uh, most of us probably know it pretty well by heart, but uh, we're going to read it together uh, this evening. And so John chapter 10, verses 1, and we're going to read all the way to verse 30. You know, just read this whole this whole section um, uh, tonight. So let me, let me start reading in verse 1, and you follow along with me. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. <clears throat> the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is opposed, oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that, at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and, I and the Father are one. And so that's our, that's our section today. And um, just a little back, kind of a little bit of a backstory here. Um, Jesus, uh, it says that in verse 10 22, it says, At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. Uh, so the, this, this whole scenario takes place in the Feast of Dedication. Uh, the Feast of Dedication today is known by a different name. It's a celebration of when uh, uh, Maccabees uh, purified the temple because. Uh, one of the Roman uh, leaders, Roman uh, generals, had come into Jerusalem, had, had sacked Jerusalem. Uh, this was, eight, this was uh, uh, B.C. Had sacked Jerusalem and had basically gone in and desecrated the temple. Uh, he had set up an idol in there in the temple. 
And, um, and so uh, the Maccabees came in and watched out the Ro- or cleared the Romans out of Jerusalem, went in and purified the temple. And uh, this celebration, this, this feast of dedication, is a remembrance of that, of that, that time. Um, and they call it by a different name today. You may know what that name is. It's Hanukkah. Y'all heard of Y'all heard of Hanukkah? Um, happens, you know, before Christmas in that same kind of time frame. Uh, for eight days they celebrate uh, this feast, this feast of dedication. So it's a it's a remembrance feast uh, for when Maccabees cleansed the temple. So this is not a God initiated feast. Uh, this is one that the Jews have come up with um, on their own. And so. Uh, what they're doing basically at the Feast of Dedication is they're remembering that they were an oppressed people. They're remembering that somebody was ruled over them and that somebody was uh, uh, stopping their worship or hindering their worship. And then there was a time when a leader arose and um, <clears throat> cleansed the temple, cleansed their religious practice and their religious system, and set them back in their place as their own ruler, as their own leader. So. They, this piece of dedication was kind of a remembrance of that, but also looking forward. So they're looking forward to somebody who would come and lead them and, and take care of them and, and provide for them and set back up their religious structure. And so it's kind of kind of two things going on here. And so Jesus talks about being the good shepherd in the door in the midst of that scene. So people are celebrating, people are remembering that. Um, and so that's a little bit of backstory about what's going on. Um, and then he talks about here... Uh, some people that are thieves and robbers. He says that a thief and a robber enters by another way uh, rather, than, rather than the sheep gate. He says they will not follow a stranger. Strangers, uh, the sheep will go away from a stranger's voice. Um, <clears throat> he says that uh, in verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And so he's kind of just, or, you know, comparing himself to all these previous leaders that Israel had had, especially those that had kind of wrote, risen up as Messiah figures, um, those who had risen and put themselves as places of, of king or uh, of ruler. And he said, these are all fakes. These are all, all, uh, uh, a little distraction moving along the, along the floor here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Kids, you know. I never did that when I was growing up. But she went through the door and not through the window. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, I just go back through the pews, um, and so he's he's comparing himself to these to these fakes that had been that had come before, and so um, so he refers to himself as the good shepherd. And so we're going to look at some of these characteristics of the good shepherd. Um, but first of all, let's read. I want us to read Psalm twenty three. It's all on your page there. If you just want to read it there, or you can turn to uh, your scripture. This is in the New International Version, uh, but you see there on your page in the italics. Um, starting with the Lord is my shepherd, that's, that's that passage, the last bits on the, on the back. So can we read this together? Um, just the italics part. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What an amazing passage of Scripture. Um, You know, very often that's a, 
that's a psalm of comfort that we read at funerals and in times of, of mourning. Uh, but you know that this uh, uh, this psalm has a lot for us even today as as, as we are living as as we're not mourning. This this is a very promising scripture, um, and so I want us to look at uh, how the things that Jesus say here in chapter ten line up with how David described the Lord as his shepherd in Psalm twenty three. So the first thing we see in David David writes, "The Lord is my shepherd." Okay, so uh, there's. Just in those five words, we can get a lot of a lot out of it. Um, so the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, and the first thing that we see in verses one through three of, of of John ten is that the Lord is the true shepherd. Okay, so the Lord is the uh, the Lord is the true shepherd in, in verse one through three. And so uh, David recognizes that there are probably a lot of other shepherds he could run to, a lot of other you know false shepherds, pseudo shepherds that he could. Go to, but there is one true shepherd, and that is uh, that is for him Yahweh. You know, he didn't know about Jesus Christ, but he knew Yahweh, the Lord. And, and as you look through, um, if you look in that in that passage, it's one of those Lord all caps you know, there. Um, and so the Lord is the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. And so Jesus is that true shepherd that we are looking for. Jesus is also recognized by his sheep. Verses three through four talk about. Uh, how the sheep recognize the shepherd. And so in, in John 10, uh, 3 through 4, it talks about how the sheep hear the voice, um, that the sheep will follow him because they know the shepherd's voice. And so just like David here, he recognized that Yahweh was his shepherd. He wasn't confused that, that there was some other shepherd calling his name or somebody else calling his name because he had opportunities to follow other voices, right? You remember uh, whenever he was in the cave hiding from Saul? And Saul came in to relieve himself, and, and all of the other voices around David were saying, Hey, God has delivered Saul into your hands right now. Just All you have to do is stand up and kill him dead right here where he is. No fight, no struggle. He's, he's vulnerable. The Lord has delivered him into your hands. But David said, Far be it for me to raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. And so David had a chance right there to listen to some other voices. But he knew the, Lord, he knew the voice of his Lord. He knew that he knew the voice of God. He knew that God was not giving him permission at that time to raise his hand against Saul, and so he he recognized God's direction versus uh, opportunity that was not from God, more of a of a test of David rather than an opportunity uh, from God. And so he recognized that voice. Um, this also says that Jesus. We also can see here that Jesus knows who are his sheep. Okay. If David recognizes that God is his shepherd, well, then God recognizes that David is one of his sheep. And that's why throughout the rest of this Psalm 23, we see God taking such intimate personal care of, uh, of David. And so not only does the, shepherd know, or do the sheep know their shepherd, but the shepherd knows the sheep. Uh, verse 3 in John 10 says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Uh, and that, that passage even hints a little bit towards uh, Revelation. You know, in Revelation, uh, as, as we are there in the presence of God, it says that he will give us an, a stone with our, his own name on it. You remember Brother David talked about that on Sunday. Um, I believe it was, it was this past Sunday where he talked about uh, you know, God writes a, writes a name on a stone. And that was an exchange of, uh, of uh, uh, exchanging something of, of rights to property, so sort of. So if me and Rusty exchange a stone with our name on it, if me and Rusty exchange stones with our names on it, then that means anywhere I go, 
with Rusty's stone, then I can have access to Rusty's property. So I can go to his house and his family will welcome me and feed me and all that kind of stuff. And so God is, Jesus, by knowing our name and giving us his name, um, we have the, the rights to his property. We have the, the right to be heirs along with him. And so Jesus knows who are his sheep. Jesus also owns the sheep. In verses 12 through 14 uh, uh, say this. He, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Um, uh, sorry, back up to 12. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. Uh, but then in verse 14, I know my own and my own know me. And so Jesus is not just a uh, caretaker of the sheep. Those are his, those are his sheep. And, uh, and so you can, you can, we can relate to this. Um, if there's something that is your possession, uh, it means a lot more to you than if it's not somebody's possession or if, if it's somebody else's possession. Now, you know, we usually take care of people's things that are not ours. Um, you know, like when I was driving Rusty's car, I wasn't really driving it like I stole it. You know, uh, I, I waited till the light. You know, I was making sure I was stopped at a red light before I snapped that picture. Uh, I think the light turned green right about the time I was, I was snapping it. But um, you know, I, you know, we we tend to probably take better care of people's things because we don't want to have to pay for it and we don't have to replace it. Um, but they don't have a sentimental type value. Uh, I would have died for your car. You know. I probably wouldn't have died for my car either, though. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's, there's certain things that we'll give up something in order to protect our own property or especially our own family. Um, you know, if there's a choice between saving somebody else's kid and saving my kid, I'm going to go for my kid. You know, that's just because that's my child. And if it's one or the other, there's no way to save both, I'm going after mine because that's my kid. That's, that's my flesh and blood. And, um, and that's how God looks at us. We are his sheep. Um, you know, Christ came to save all of us. You know, he, when he died on the cross, he spilled that blood. That blood was enough blood to cover every sin. Um, but whenever he comes down, uh, makes his second coming, and starts taking people with him, he's taking his own. He's not taking everybody. He's, he's taking his own. And so he owns the sheep. We are his, we are his possession. Um, and that brings along with it some things that we have to realize. Uh, if I have a piece of property, who gets to determine what that property is used for? I get to, right? Have you ever used a tool for something it wasn't intended for? You know, ever driven a driven a nail with a you know wrench or something like that? You ever tried something like that? You just didn't have a hammer. I was like, okay, I got a I got a crescent wrench. Try to hammer it in with that. Um, you know, something like that. You ever tried to drill a hole with a Phillips screwdriver? I've done that before. You know, sometimes you just got to use what you got around. Um, but since you're the owner, then you can use it for that, even if it's going to ruin what it originally intended for. You know, I've got some screwdrivers, some flat screwdrivers that are not any good for uh, screwing a screw in right now, but they're really good at chiseling something, you know, because that's what I had, and that's what I needed to use it for. And so, um, you know, uh, we, are, we are God's property. Whenever we give our life to Him, He is the boss. He gets to determine He is sovereign over our life. The good thing is God's never going to abuse us for, you know, for some silly purpose. God may put us through the ringer, and God may put us through difficult times, but it's always going to be for his glory, and it's always going to be for our good. And so we're not going to be a, a broken down, pointless screwdriver that gets thrown in the trash. If God bruises us through the life that he takes us through, it's going to be for his good and for our glory. But we see here that, that he owns the sheep, and, uh, and, and, and David recognizes that. As the Lord is his shepherd, and he belongs to, it belongs to his sheep, uh, or belongs to him, 
belongs to the Lord. And the last thing here under this is Jesus is not recognized by those who aren't his sheep. Uh, you notice that possessive phrase right there that, that David put, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm sure David recognized that there were other people who belonged to the Lord as well. He wasn't just David's shepherd. But that possessive my, that implies that there's probably some people out there that can't say that. There's probably some people that out there that have to say, the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is not my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. And so there's a possession there. And, and Jesus talks about here in John 10 um, that those who are not his sheep, and this is verse 25 to 26, those who are not his sheep do not recognize his voice. It says, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe me because you are not among my sheep. So in other words, you know, they were looking for a sign. They said, what can you do to show us? Tell us plainly. He said, verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. In other words, you just healed a blind man, but we're not really sure you're divine. So can you just tell us? <laughs> you know, that'd be like if a guy who walked up who looked like Donald Trump and had a car like Donald Trump and had secret service around him like Donald Trump and you had to get frisked before you got close to make sure you didn't have a gun and he walked up and and said hi I'm the president and you just saying okay now tell me for real are you really Donald Trump <laughs> you know that's kind of like that's kind of like what's going on here I mean Jesus is doing everything possible to show that he is the son of God Messiah aside from at this point you know just saying I am the Messiah you know, he's, he's done just about everything, but they, uh, they're they just saying, hey, just tell us. Just tell us, and we'll believe you. <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, no, you don't know and you don't believe because you're not my sheep. You haven't you haven't responded to my voice. Um, and so they are, Jesus is not recognized by those who aren't his sheep. And so David goes on. He says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And this is exactly what Jesus says about himself. Jesus leads his sheep, and his sheep follow him. So he's leading his sheep, and his sheep follow him wherever, uh, wherever he goes, just like uh, David said here. Uh, it's interesting that um, the way Jesus puts this, because as I was, as I was reading, um, most of the time whenever uh, the sheep are going somewhere, uh, the herders would be behind them, maybe kind of driving them, you know, making them go a certain direction. They might have some sheep dogs that kind of help keep them rounded up but usually the shepherd has to be behind the sheep pushing them the direction that um, he wanted them to go but Jesus says I call my sheep and they follow me and that's what Jesus continually said throughout his ministry that follow me come follow after me follow me to the cross follow me this way follow me that way and, um, and so Jesus is out there leading the way showing us the way and helping us find the pasture that we need to, uh, to find so we see that Jesus leads his sheep, but we also see that Jesus is the greatest caretaker, provider, and owner. Um, this word uh, that is used here um, uh, for the good shepherd, that word, the word good shepherd means ultimate or supreme. Uh, Jesus is the best shepherd is kind of what this is saying. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, whenever you're buying something in the store, a lot of times they'll have different categories. They'll have good, better, and best. Well, Jesus would be categorized as better than best you know Jesus is the best shepherd that you can get uh, and so he's that he's that one who is uh, showing us uh, to the food showing us to the pastures and um, he says um, says here verse 9 9 and 10 um, uh, verse 9 I'm the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture so Jesus is that is the door back and forth is that security 
So we're, we can go out and feed, and we can come back in for safety. We can go out and feed, and we can come back in for safety. And so he is the, he's the one who, who provides for us. David continues and says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so righteousness is right living. Now, if you, if you jump to Romans, uh, righteousness is always equated with salvation, right? Because it's our, our right living, our right standing with God. So David is saying, He leads me in paths of right standing with God for God's name's sake. And so our whole salvation, even though we reap the benefits of it, our salvation is not for our sake only. Our salvation is for the glory of God. I mean, that's why we are saved. And that's why Israel was called out to be a nation of, of God's own choosing. It was for God's glory. He was basically saying, hey, I'm going to take you, Israel, and I'm going to set you up on a pedestal, and I'm going to show the world what happens to a people whenever they follow and obey me. Now, it didn't turn out that way because Israel was stubborn and rebellious, but that was the, pro that was the point. And that's the point of my life, and that's the point of your life, too. God wants to better put you up as a city on a hill, a life that is not hidden, and, uh, and say, look, this is what happens whenever somebody gives me their life completely. This, is, this, this can be your life, too. If you give your life to me, you know, you, a non-believer, if you give your life to me, to Jesus, then you can have these blessings in your life. Life's not going to be cupcakes and ice cream, but you can have the blessing of having a relationship with me. And so uh, David is saying, he leads me in these paths of right standing, so he leads me to salvation um, for his name's sake. And that's the exact same thing that Jesus says. In verse um, 7 through 9, Jesus provides entrance into the flock. Uh, we uh, uh, saw some of this last week. Jesus is referring to himself as the door. Um, so truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Um, and then verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so that's these, the pathway to salvation. Um, now, does he say, I am a door? No, he says, I am the door. And so there's not multiple doors to this sheepfold. There's only one door, and you've got to go through that door, and Jesus is it. And so, you know, whenever people say, well, Jesus never, never made <coughs> exclusive claims to be the only way to God. Yeah, he did. We're going to see in a, in a couple weeks, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says right here, I am the door. Um, and if you come in through me, you will find salvation. You will be saved. And so Jesus provides entrance into the flock. Uh, verse 16 shows that Jesus is looking for his lost sheep. Um, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's out there looking for the people to bring in uh, to his sheepfold. Verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Um, and then this gets us to the next thing. He unifies his flock. So I must, uh, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so Jesus here is talking about the Gentiles. He's got to go out. And there's there's going to be Gentiles coming into this fold as well. And they're going to be unified and united to, to his Jewish believers. And David continues, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus sacrificed his life willingly for the sheep <coughs> rather than sacrificing the sheep for himself. And, uh, and he, he, he says this three different times in this passage, that I lay down my life. He says, I lay down my life. Nobody takes it from me. I lay down my life, and then I can pick it back up again. And so Jesus is not... Uh, unwillingly going to the cross. I think I've mentioned this before, that one of my favorite parts about the movie, The Passion of the Christ, is that whenever Jesus gets to the cross, they don't have to drag him, kick him and scream him and put him on the cross. He actually, they, he drops his cross on the ground and he 
falls on the ground bleeding and everything. Of course, this is creative license. This isn't anywhere in Scripture. Um, and then he rolls himself over and put, lays down on the cross and stretches his own arms out. And at that, that's when they put the nails in his hands. Um, you know, and that just visually symbolized how Jesus went to the cross of his own free will. Um, you know, he was being obedient to the Father, and he went to the cross willingly, um, willing to follow the to follow the Father. And so, Jesus sacrificed his life for the sheep willingly, rather than sacrificing the sheep for himself. It's interesting that Jesus is the good shepherd; we are the sheep. Yet the shepherd died for the sheep to live, which is a complete reversal of what had happened in the Old Testament. Because remember, in the Old Testament, you owned a sheep, and what did you do? You sacrificed that sheep so that you could live. You sacrificed that sheep to cover over your sins in order that you could live and have your sins atoned for and live before a holy God. Yet in the New Testament, it completely reverses. The shepherd lays down his life so that the sheep can live um, here in this, in this passage. And so that's why he's the good shepherd. And in David's, David's passage, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death is that valley that goes right along the side of Jerusalem and turns uh, into the Kidron Valley, and um, uh, and that's what that's where the that's where God Jesus would have walked up. He would have walked up that valley of the shadow of death as he made his way up to Caiaphas's house for his trial uh, that night. And so it's just um, you know it's it's meaningful that as Jesus prayed, you know, my Father, take this cup from me, but not my will be done, not my will, but yours be done. And at that time, he heard the sound of people coming to arrest him, and they arrested him, and, and they walked him up the valley of the shadow of death, that, that valley that is known uh, as the valley of the shadow of death, and took him to ultimately to the cross. Um, just very telling that uh, as he walked through that valley of the shadow of death, he was willingly laying down his life uh, for his friend, for, for, for his, his sheep. And then David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Um, Jesus' sheep do not follow false shepherds. Um, Jesus' sheep do not follow the false shepherds. He says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, and all these other voices, all these other voices that I could be following, um, these, these enemies, that may, they may be physical enemies, they may be spiritual, they may be emotional enemies, um, but all these enemies that David could align himself with and make treaties with and, and compromise with, God, Jesus, honors David and honors his obedience and his faithfulness in the presence of his enemies. He sets him down at a banquet. He says, hey, this is the one who has been faithful to me, and I'm going to honor him. And so uh, David, as a follower of, of God, did not go after these other opportunities um, uh, that he could have gone after. And we do know, uh, at least and that's what he's talking about here, and we do know that at a certain point David did follow after one of those idols. He sinned with Bathsheba. And we see that because he did go after one of those other gods, god of, of pleasure, um, that he, it wound up costing him his kingdom and costing him uh, some of the blessings that God had for him. And so there's a, there's a, there's a uh, consequence when we do follow those false shepherds. We see here at this part as well that um, Jesus provides the best life for the sheep. Uh, verse 9, on the door, if anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And so <clears throat> Jesus provides the best life that we could have. Uh, gives us that protection, gives us that provision. 
And that's what he says here in Psalm as well. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So it's not that Jesus is just giving us adequate life. Jesus doesn't give us adequate life. He gives us abundant life, life that is full. And then David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this last one is, is, is summing, sum, summing it up. It says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so David had an expectation that he was going to be in the house of the Lord. He was going to be in the presence of the Lord forever. Um, and I don't believe that David was thinking temple or tabernacle whenever he said this passage of Scripture. I think he knew that to, whenever he left this life, he was going to be united with God in some way. Um, in the afterlife, I don't think he had a probably didn't have a full understanding of eternal life and heaven and hell like like what we do in the New Testament. Um, but I believe that David knew that he was going to be united with God uh, for eternity, and that's why he said forever. And that's why Jesus says in verses twenty eight through twenty nine, Jesus gives his sheep eternal life. And this is one of the this one of, this, this should be one of your favorite passages. Um, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father am one. Or I and the Father are one. And so these two things. Jesus gives his sheep eternal life. And Jesus cannot ever lose a sheep. Jesus doesn't have to go out trying to find a sheep. Or, Man, where did I put that sheep? He was right here. He must have wandered off. Where did he go? You know, Jesus knows where, we, where, we, where, he, where the sheep are. Uh, if, if Jesus was back in that day, he might have said, you know, I GPS track my sheep or something like that. Who knows how he would have, he would have put it. But even when, when we wander, Jesus knows where we're at. At a moment's notice, he can pull us back. He might even have a rope around our neck trying to pull us back. Um, but, but Jesus is saying here, I never lose a sheep. Nobody can snatch them out of God's hand. So it's kind of like, you know, you ever play that game with your kids when they're little, maybe your grandkids, you put some in your hand and go ahead and get it out. And you pull away from them, you know, or, or you know, here, give me a high five. Right when about to, you know, you, you pull it back or something like that. Well, that's kind of a picture of God. We're we're in the palm of God, and He's got us, and nobody can snatch us out of His hand. Nobody can peel back God's fingers. It doesn't matter how many toddlers you get on God's big hand; He can't peel the fingers off to get that get what's in there. God's got us in His hand, and so when you give your life to Christ, you give your life to God. He puts it in His hand. He closes His fist. And so your life is there, clutched by God himself. And nobody is strong enough, not Satan, not darkness, not sin, not spiritual forces. Nothing is strong enough to peel those fingers back and take you out of God's hands. And one thing that we need to realize, um, especially if, as we talk to people that may have different denominational backgrounds or different Christian backgrounds, is that nobody is strong enough to take you out of God's hands also includes you. It also, it also it includes me. I'm not powerful enough to snatch myself out of God's hands. I can't push God's fingers back and jump out. Okay, So that means that uh, if I sin, I don't lose my salvation. Because God's, God's got my salvation. I'm not holding on to God. He's holding on to me. And so if I let go of God, well, He's, he's still got me. And so I can't sin so bad as a believer that I lose my salvation. Now, I could, somebody might be faking it for a while and then just go about their way that they always were. Um, but if I'm truly a believer in Jesus Christ, um, I cannot lose that salvation. God will 
by his spirit will convict me and convict me and convict me. And he might ultimately say, you know what? He's not coming back and just take his hand of protection off of me and let Satan kill me. Basically, kill me by my lifestyle, kill me by my, by my rebellion, uh, you know, kill me by my uh, <clears throat> fall from grace of uh, you know, popularity or acceptance in public, you know, whatever, however, whatever my sin pursues that destroys me ultimately, God may allow me to go through that, um, but I can never lose that salvation. And Paul talks about that. He says, give that one to Satan so that he may, uh, talking about somebody who's dealing with homosexuality, give that one off to Satan so that he can reap the rewards of his sin in his body and ultimately be saved in the end. And so basically Paul's just saying, hey, look, let him go destroy himself so that at the end his soul will at least uh, go to heaven. And, uh, and so um, uh, so that's a, that's a promise. That should be one of your favorite verses of Scripture right there, that the Lord has us in his hand and nobody is greater than God and nobody can snatch us from his hand. And so Jesus is our good shepherd. He's the one who... Uh, who provides for us. He's the one who walks with us through life. He's the one who guides us and leads us. And um, you know you know what's funny is I've been, uh, I've, I've read in the last two semesters of school, I've read a lot of books on shepherding because I've had to do, uh, read a lot of books on pastoral ministry and so lots of books about shepherding. And you know there's actually, there's a lot of people that think we need to get away from this metaphor uh, just because people in modern day culture don't understand what a shepherd really is. And, uh, you know, as I think about that, I just think that's, that would be such a loss to lose this word picture that, that Jesus used. You know, that day and time, they all knew what a shepherd did. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of being a shepherd, uh, but I think we could look in Scripture and get enough to really see what God, what Jesus and, uh, is saying here. Um, that he's the one, you know, he, he guides us, he walks with us. And, um, I think it's just such a, such a beautiful picture. I especially love at the beginning of, of, of this story where, he says he, he goes into the sheep pen and he, he calls his sheep by name and they come to him. And, uh, you know, you just, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you know, a shepherd can kind of go in and, you know, start calling out his sheep, hey, hey, Rusty, hey, Robin, hey, Willis, hey, Mary. And they know his voice and they poke their head up and they come, you know, come running out. Um, you know, and that's how we should be. When the Lord calls us by name, man, we should recognize that. And he's calling us somewhere. We should go and do what he's, he's wanting us to do. Um, and so let's, that that's kind of my hope out of out of this this of this thing today is that's that's where I want to change me today is that when I hear God's voice I want to recognize it. I know there's a lot of times where you know even though I, I think I hear God's voice maybe I'm not completely sure. I want to get to where I can recognize God's voice, know that He's calling me out, and just get going. Not even think twice, not question it. Um, you know something we've been trying to teach Blake, our our four year old right now. When we say do something, you do it because Blake's favorite response is. You know, hey, Blake, pick that stuff off the floor. Well, you know, I was thinking I might play with that tomorrow. And so, like, no, when we say it, you do it. And I think a lot of times God says, hey, I want you to go do this. Well, you know, I've got this job and my kids are in school, so maybe I'll do that later. Um, you know, we got to get going with God and do what he wants us to do. Just follow, follow the shepherd because he'll never lead you wrong. That's his promise from Scripture. So let me close this out in prayer. And we'll be done. Lord, thank you for your love for us. We are uh, uh, humbled by the fact that even though you're the shepherd and we're the, just the dumb, helpless sheep, Lord, that you were willing to lead and guide us and that you're willing to actually lay down your life for us. You are the good shepherd and we are your sheep. Um, and, and it's because of that that you're willing to, to go to the cross. Thank you that we are your possession. And thank you that you value us. Um, thank you 
that you loved us enough and so we're willing to sacrifice all that you sacrificed on our behalf. Lord, may we follow you regardless of whether where you take us, just knowing that even if the road may be treacherous, the greener pastures are on the other side. Uh, Lord, thank you that we know that even if in, in this life we have trouble, uh, that we will be with you for eternity and uh, that we will dwell in your house forever. Thank you for that promise, Lord. I pray that we would keep this in our hearts throughout the week and that we would live with the understanding that you're our shepherd and that we are your sheep. Thank you for everybody who's here tonight. We pray for those who are not here that you would just bless them and uh, let them feel your love this evening. Uh, we pray for those who have had surgeries and won't be with us for a while that you'll just uh, bless them, Lord, and heal them quickly. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. Amen. Amen.